0: everyone, and welcome to The Right Turn, your one-stop shop for all things fiction writing. I'm your host, author Jordan M. Griffin, and today we have the joy of talking about beginnings, how to finally start that novel you've been telling yourself you're going to write. This podcast will cover craft elements, personal anecdotes, and writing exercises. Please feel free to pause at any time, rewind, or otherwise engage with this lesson in a way that makes the most sense for you. Writing is not a one-size-fits-all art, so I hope you'll be able to shape this talk to meet your own writing needs. Whether you're on your first novel or your 41st, starting is, in my opinion, the trickiest part of the whole writing process. You can have an idea in your head for years, but until you put it to paper, it's only ever going to be that, an idea. Take me, for example. I have about 10 novels bouncing around my head right now, and realistically, I know I won't even write half of them. So where to start then? How do we go from this idea slash written a couple scenes but nothing substantial place to a full fledged novel? The first thing I will say is that it's important to give yourself permission to start something you know you won't finish. That's okay, that's even a good thing. Starting gives you momentum and odds are once you put that first sentence down, you won't wanna stop. Getting words on paper is the most important part of this phase even if they're not the words you want or you feel like you're just making it up as you go along. Remember that the purpose of a first draft is to make something exist, not to make it pretty. That's for draft number three. And even if you never finish that first draft, just know that anytime you're writing, you're practicing. Let's say you get 50 pages into a draft before you lose interest and put it down. Well, you're now 50 pages closer to the end than you were, and your writing will have gotten 50 pages stronger toward building your skill set. You can always pick that novel up another time, even if it's months or years down the road. Maybe you needed to get to a different place in order to put yourself in the mind of your characters, or you needed to learn a little more about writing before you felt comfortable tackling this challenge. And even if you never pick that novel back up again, You do not need to finish a work for it to be considered time well spent. Sometimes the most important things we write are the ones that never see daylight. Another thing to keep in mind is that writing is often a highly individual process. Don't compare your progress to your friends or even famous writers that you might follow. What works for them might not work for you, and that's okay. The important part is to figure out an amount of writing you can do consistently. 100 words a day for 30 days is so much better than 10 pages in one sitting than putting the work down for the rest of the month. I work full-time in a field that is not writing, and when I'm doing that, I find there are days I need to retreat down to one sentence per day. That's okay. As long as I'm getting something down, I consider that a success. More days than not, I end up with at least half a page of new prose, and you'll be amazed at how fast half a page adds up. So now that you've given yourself permission to start your novel, where do you begin? Should you write your opening scene and go in chronological order? Or try to hammer out your ending so you know where you're going? Again, it depends on you and your process. I've found that writers often fall into one of a few categories when they're first thinking through their novel. Identifying which group you fall into will help you hone your strengths and support your weaknesses as you start out on your new adventure. All writers start with an idea, but the focus of that idea changes from writer to writer. The three major groups of writers are plot first writers, character first writers, and overview first writers. Plot first writers are able to see the arc of their story even if they don't know who it happens to or where it takes place yet. If you fall into this category, you might find yourself facing problems like these. Knowing in detail the actions of your major climactic scenes, but not having a solid idea of who the characters are in that scene. You might have a hard time deciding the setting of your story. Perhaps you waffle back and forth between whether you want your story to take place in a modern city or a futuristic colonized planet, or you don't know if you want your novel set in a quaint farm town or bustling metropolitan hub. You hate the question, what is your story about? Because you feel like you can't condense the plot down without missing something critical. If any of these sound like you, you may be a plot-first writer. This group excels at complex plot design and often have twists and turns in their stories I couldn't dream up if I tried. They innately understand pacing, that a book cannot be 100 miles per hour all the time. A story needs lulls for the reader to recover and process before jumping into the next big thing. This group also knows how to push their characters to the edge, and this makes for good, high-stakes reads. Often, plot-first writers struggle in the character department. They know what they want to happen, but they don't know who it needs to happen to. This can lead to the formation of characters who are shaped around the plot instead of the other way around. The issue with this is that stories can start to feel contrived, like the plot only happens because of a bunch of coincidences, so you can get your character at this place and this time regardless of whether or not they actually wanted to be there. The unfortunate reality of forcing characters into the plot this way is that the story loses emotional stakes. If a writer says, I'm going to get my character to the top of the tower whether they want to go or not, the moment when the character finally climbs that last stair will feel hollow, even if the way the plot is written says it should be a grand sweeping point in the story. Plot and character are inexorably twisted around one another. This is a truth no writer can escape. Though I hesitate to say that you should be open to changing your plot because of your characters, thus abandoning that amazing work you've done, setting up builds and reveals and twists, do allow yourself some leeway in how your characters are going to get to the places you've set out for them. Realize that you may have to take your characters left when you thought they would go right, because characters, like real people, have a tendency to grow into their own wills, and you as the writer need to give them a certain amount of freedom to do so. Here's an exercise you can try if you too are seeing your story struggling this way. Sketch out your plot so you can visually see all the elements. You want the highs, the lows, your beginning, and your ending. You can do this on a plot diagram or just on a separate sheet of paper. Whatever works for you. Don't worry if any of your ideas aren't set in stone yet. This is just an exercise right now. Once you can see your plot, think about what kind of character would go on this wild ride. Does your plot require a shy, soft character who will be pushed out of his comfort zone? Or a brash, loud-spoken one who will face the consequences of her disregard for others? Sketch out a few bullet points about this character and what they might be like. Now that you have this character, take a look at your plot again. Are there any places your plot doesn't fit this character? Maybe your intelligent but afraid protagonist fits really well into your rising action and your climax, But your twist in the third act falls flat when you realize they would see the ruse and react differently than you want them to. Or your quiet and scary anti hero doesn't actually have a reason to redeem themselves yet. Now, wherever your character isn't fitting into your plot, think of a second character who will make your first one break their own rules. That protagonist who would be able to spot the twist coming? What if they're following a lead to find their brother, whom they thought was dead, so they walk into the trap knowing it's a trap but unable to stop themselves? That is much more compelling than the story trying to take knowledge away from a character when they should definitely have it. Or that anti-hero who has no reason to redeem themselves? Perhaps their old mentor, whom they thought they'd let down, requested them to his sickbed to tell them he hasn't given up on them and they shouldn't give up on themselves either. See how the addition of that second character makes those plot elements much more emotionally compelling? We all have people we would live and die for, and your characters are no different. If you have a place where your plot isn't working for your characters, don't bend your character around it, forcing them into a shape they're not. Your readers will sniff this out, and they'll rightfully be let down by it. Instead, give your character a reason to bend. That will not only make the moment more believable, but more realistic too. Next, we move to character-first writers. This group of people start their ideas centered around their characters, whether they be human, animal, or something else entirely. I usually fall into this category, so I can tell you that when I first get an idea for a book, it often spins off of an image or a scene of a character having some big emotion. The first novel I wrote started with an image of a woman. Her head shaved and her body covered in laboratory tattoos as she snuck her way back into the facility that had created her. When I saw this image in my mind, I found myself asking, who is this woman? Why is she back here in this place? And what does this place mean to her? If you two find yourself with a similar experience, you may fit into the category of character first writers. If you're not sure, ask yourself if you've ever faced problems like these. You have a bunch of characters, but no idea how they interact with each other. You have a hard time thinking about putting your characters through difficult trials. You have more characters than you have story ideas. If any of these things sounds like you, you might be a character-first writer. These writer's strengths lie in emotional conflict. They can have two people sitting silently at a coffee shop and still have the world feel like it's about to end. They tend to have a knack for producing the characters who stay with us even after a book has ended, the people who feel so real we can't imagine them trapped between the pages of a story. The major setbacks of character-first writers usually fall in the plot department. Often, these writers become so attached to their characters that they can't imagine anything too bad happening to them. A little danger here and there, yes, but nothing life-altering. Unfortunately, the events of the novel must be life-altering for the character, otherwise why would we read it? The higher the stakes, the more encapsulating the novel, and that often means putting the characters in positions where they will break. Because plot takes a backseat to character development, sometimes these writers have a hard time coming up with plot at all. They don't know where they want their novel to go, or they're afraid that if they set an endpoint, it will change by the time they get halfway there and they'll be constantly revising. One way writers deal with this is by just starting. Put words on paper and see where it takes you. Your characters will wander all over the place and you may end up deleting or changing a large part of your story, but this is by no means a bad way to go. I know plenty of writers who do this, sometimes myself included. One place that's often hit or miss for character first writers is world building. Because these writers tend to see their characters in their entirety, Sometimes they have a very good handle on what kind of world has made this character and how the character fits into that. Sometimes, however, they run into roadblocks with world building. These roadblocks may come in the more subtle questions we usually don't need answers for until we're like on page 20 and in the middle of a scene where we need to know the answer. Such questions as, what is the currency system of this place? What are the cultural taboos? How do people in this society celebrate their holidays and accomplishments? We will go into world building in a later episode, but just know that having a working understanding of your world will actually help your character development, not hinder it. If you can't answer a question such as, what makes my character embarrassed? Or, what would this society think of my character's actions? It will be hard to truly develop your story in its entirety. Here's an exercise you can try if you have your characters, but you're questioning where to go with them. Take two or three characters who are central to your story. Even if you know when and where you want your novel to take place, try to write three different scenes set in three different time periods. You're aiming for between two and four pages, and try not to be too heavy-handed with this. Just let your characters do and say whatever they're going to say. After you've completed at least three of those scenes, go back and reread what you've produced. Are there any similarities between the different settings? Has the same problem come up multiple times? Are the characters hiding the same secrets? Who has made alliances with whom? Write down those similarities and use them to build the beginnings of your plot. The last major category is overview first writers. These writers may find their ideas rooted in a theme or in the world of the story at large. If you find yourself starting with something such as, I want to write a story about the difficulties of maintaining friendships through adolescence, Or, I want to write about a society where selfishness is monetarily rewarded. You may be an overview first writer. Ask yourself if you regularly face problems like these. Your stories end up a little unwieldy because you have so many point of view characters, all of whom have something to say. You spend more time thinking about the world of the story, such as drawing out the map or writing down the days of the week, than plotting one storyline you enjoy exploring large societal issues in your writing, rather than the personal experiences of one or two people. If this sounds like you, wonderful! Overview-first writers tend to have a very strong grasp on something I've heard referred to as a through-line, which is essentially the big-picture idea of where a writer wants their story to go. If you know you want to write a story about the nuances of trust, for example, you might pick five interactions for your story to explore. Somewhere trust works out for the character, and somewhere it doesn't. Overview first writers often have strong world building skills. Not only are their fictional worlds well thought out, but they play an important role in the story as well. The world becomes more believable and even immersive because they've taken the time to think through many of the things other writers skip, such as food supply on a colonized planet, or the social hierarchies of second world mythological societies. Where overview-first writers may have a hard time is with simplicity. Often, because these writers are exploring an idea rather than a character, they have more characters than they can really handle, all vying for space and time on a page. I can think of more than a few stories I've read whose worlds are amazing, but whose plots I can't quite remember because there were so many characters I couldn't keep track of them all. If you're an overview-first writer, remember that for humans, experience trumps theory every time. It's one of the reasons we have so many disagreements with each other. We can agree with the same thing in theory, but if we have wildly different experiences with it, we're going to have two wholly different opinions. The same is true for novels. You could have the greatest message in the world, but if you don't have a character close enough for the readers to experience what you're talking about, your audience won't feel the message the same way you do. Here's an exercise if you're struggling with wrestling your big idea into something tangible. Take the overall goal you're trying to achieve with this story, whether that's the nuances of trust or the increasing price of safety in our crazy world. Now ask yourself, who needs to hear this story the most? If you can only reach one person with your words, who are they? Imagine them. A small child looking up at the stars and yearning to be among them. A young woman festering with anger at the world which has failed her. Once you find this person, this is going to become your main point of view character. Show them exactly why they need to hear this story in the form of your words on the page. Once you've got an idea of who is telling your story, ask yourself which person would do anything to stop this story from getting out. Perhaps a parent trying desperately to maintain control over their child's budding independence, or a politician trying to cling to what little power they have. Once you have an idea of this person, they will become your antagonist. If you are struggling with plot, and this goes for any writer anywhere, ask yourself one very crucial question. What is the one thing your character wants, and how do I stop them from getting it? Stories are built around tension, and you can't have tension without opposing forces. If your characters are able to get everything they want as soon as they want it, why should the reader be interested? Remember, too, that people don't do things unless they are convinced it is the right option for them. No one would run into a burning building if everyone had gotten out and nothing inside was valuable. No one would jump on a grenade that had landed harmlessly in the grass far away from anyone and anything else. Both your protagonist and your antagonist must believe in what they are doing. Even that parent we talked about just a moment ago, the one stifling their child's independence, has a reason for doing so. Could something have happened to them in their adolescence that they are trying to protect their child from? Do they know something the child doesn't, like a person's history or reputation? In summary, if you are wondering how to start your book, the answer is to identify the things you need to know before you can put words to paper. If you're a plot-first writer, you most likely need to identify your characters and their stakes before you can start racing through your well-constructed turn of events. If you're a character first writer, you need something for those three-dimensional people to do now that you've made them. And if you're an overview first writer, you will need a story that will encapsulate everything you're trying to say. If nothing else, I give you permission here and now to just start putting words to paper. It's okay if it isn't perfect, and it's okay if you end up changing everything tomorrow morning. What's important right now is to give yourself the freedom to be wrong. To take chances, and most of all to have fun. This art should be one that you enjoy. Don't think about who's going to read this right now. That will come later. At this moment, all you need to be concerned about is what you want from your own writing. There's no need to look farther than that at this stage. Keep in mind that the first draft is to make it exist, the second draft is to make it legible, and the third draft is to make it beautiful. Since you're on your first draft, The only thing you need to do right now is make your idea exist. So whether you're starting your first novel or your 500th, I wish you the best of luck and I can't wait to hear all about your amazing ideas. I hope this talk was helpful to you and remember you're always welcome to go back, give it another listen, pause, rewind, and otherwise engage with this talk in the way that makes the most sense for you and your work at the moment. If you have any questions, ideas for topics, or you want to give us a funny anecdote, send us an email at rightturn at gmail.com, or you can click the link in the description of this episode. We are also accepting stories that you have written. If you have a piece that you're working on and you would like me to go through it, giving constructive feedback and pointing out all the amazing ways you guys put words on paper, send a piece of writing no more than 1500 words to writeturn at gmail.com or click the link in the description. I hope you all have a lovely day, and if it's not a good one, I hope that the next one is better.